Okay, Romans chapter 8. Romans, one of my favorite chapters. I like Romans. Okay. Can't pray too much, so we need to pray over this here. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to uh, study your word. We just ask that you would uh, uh, bless it and honor it, Lord, for your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I guess what I'll... I'm just going to dive right into it, I guess. And y'all don't be talking bad about Mississippi because that's where half my wife's relatives are from, down there around Oxford and Water Valley and all that kind of stuff. So just even have cemeteries down there named after her maiden name. Okay, so there you go. All right, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're not reading the King James Bible, then that's where it stops, most likely, because the NIV, the NASB, and all those others, they'll stop right there. Why would they they want to stop right there and leave the rest of the verse off? Because... We don't want to have anything to do with walking after the Spirit because it says, but after the Spirit. It says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So there's a way that a Christian can walk that is wrong. You see? So it says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation. So whenever you see that word, therefore, we want to look and see what it was talked about. So let's go back to chapter 7, verse 14. It says, verse 12, because I want to show you something about uh, the law. It says, verse 12, wherefore the law is holy. Now, doesn't that sound strange? The law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Then why don't we just live under the law? Sounds pretty good there. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. There's so many rabbits I can run here. God forbid. That term, the new Bibles don't like that term. They don't like, they they think you're using God's name in vain there. It says, the King James Bible says, God forbid. The new, some of the new ones say, may it never be. Not even the same original words. It says, God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So why is the, why is the law holy? Because the law is what brought you to Christ. The law taught you that you were sinful. Then in verse 14 it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, <clears throat> the law. It's holy and it's spiritual. But it also brings us to Christ. As it says in Galatians, it's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Well, what's, what's the law? Well, what's the first commandment? 
thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's, that's the preeminence of God. He is first foremost in everything. I told my wife this morning, I said, well, you've been kind of nice lately. I said, you just went a notch above my motorcycle. Because I tease her, I'd say my motorcycle comes first, you know, but she knows I'm teasing. She knows I'm teasing, okay? So, um, God is first and foremost. Then the second commandment says, Thou shalt not make thee any graven images. And you know, as Christians, we, as we go along in our life, we first get saved, man. God is preeminent. And then all of a sudden, other things start creeping in. Okay, other things start taking more of our time, taking more of our thoughts, taking more of, of uh, more priority than God used to have. You used to read your Bible more. You used to pray more. You used to witness more. You used to pass out tracts more. You see what I'm saying? We kind of erode. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. And then he says, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. And this is something that really, really irritates me, and I think any Christian that thinks about it, is this OMG stuff. Everything is OMG, that's good, or OMG, that's that. I mean, the first thing people say a large percentage of the time when something bad happens in their life is what? Oh, my God. Even lost people. It's like I'm sure that uh, Connor hears that a lot. I, you know, when I was in the fire department, you, you'd hear that when, you know, somebody's family member got hurt or whether their house was burning down. It's, you know, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? I think that that is an unconscious reaction, that part, to God showing, you know, hey, I'm here. But just to use it, you know, OMG, that food was good, or OMG, this, I, that is taking the Lord's name in vain. I mean, that is taking the Lord's name in vain, and he will not hold you guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Okay. And the next one we see nowadays is uh, to honor thy father and thy mother. There, just go to Walmart. There's no honor. There's rarely any honor to father and mother. And when you do see it, it's extremely rare. It's extremely, you think about it and say, well, isn't that different? You see, the law is, is holy and the law is spiritual. And then you go on down, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. Um, and God said that those two commandments, or those commandments were combined in what? These two. I shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's, it's holy, it's spiritual, but it wasn't enough to get us into heaven. So it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Back over in chapter 7, he goes through this uh, 
he makes statements about this. It says in verse 15, For that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. That's where they get that saying, you know, the devil made me do it. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. You see how that when you get saved, there's a, there's a war, there's a battle, there's a conflict going on in, in your lives. It says, verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So what it's saying is, it's not giving you an excuse to sin, saying, oh, it's just my body, or it's just it's the flesh, or it's, it's the devil. It's telling you that you need to follow the law of your mind. So it says in, verse, in chapter 8, verse 1 again, there is therefore, because of that, because of that situation we just read in Romans chapter 7, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There must be a problem with that last phrase, or the new versions wouldn't want to take it out. And they can say, you know, the best manuscripts and all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, when I went to Bible school, I, I took what we called the grief class. It was Greek three years of Greek, just so that I could answer in a, uh, anytime I had a discussion with someone who wanted to pull the Greek card out, I could actually pull my Nestle's Greek New Testament out, which is the one they use, and it has what's called the critical apparatus at the bottom, and you can look down there, and the majority of the time, uh, the Greek actually agrees with the King James Bible, but when they have alternative readings, that mean, uh, that could come from, uh, a different manuscript, they'll take the minority manuscripts just to, like, take that phrase out. Why would, why would you want to do that? What, what motive would you have to do that? But after the Spirit. That, that gives us the impetus to walk after the Spirit. Now, it says... There is therefore now no condemnation. Condemnation. So why sometimes do people, Christians, say that they feel condemned? I mean, you know, some people walk around, you know, they don't, they don't smile, they're not happy with their Christian life, they're, they, oh, woe is me, uh, things aren't going right, this, that, and the other. You know, I mean, there's, there's not a problem with talking about things that are not going right, but if it's just like, just oppresses you like that, that's, that's a feeling of condemnation. The, the definition of condemnation is uh, guilt and punishment and there's no way to change. It's just consequences. It's like the lady last night, yesterday. She was condemned. 
I don't know what's in that box, and I don't know who it is and all that. Uh, well, it, when that box got opened, <laughs> she was condemned. There was no way out. She'd go into jail. What, God, what the Holy Spirit does is it convicts us. Conviction is being made aware of something in your life, and you are able to change it. That's conviction. Condemnation comes from Satan. Uh, Go to, go to uh, John chapter 3, one of my favorite verses, and it's not 16, but 16 is. But in, uh, in uh, let me go back here. Sixteen verse seventeen. Three seventeen. Man, sorry, I need to slow down a little bit. John chapter three, verse seventeen. And it says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. So if you feel condemned, it's not God. You got it? If you feel condemned, it's not God. It's it can, be, it can come from other Christians, or it's going to come from Satan. It's, you have to distinguish between those two because, you think, uh, like I say, there's some people, some Christians that just, they just don't, they don't enjoy their Christian life. There's, they always feel like they're not good enough or they're not uh, doing enough stuff or it has nothing to do with that. There's two types of religion in this world. You can, you, can, you can pile them all together, and there's two types. One is do, and the other one is done. Done. Our salvation is done. It is finished. When, when you get saved, you, you're going to feel conviction, but the only time you're going to feel condemnation is from other people, or Satan. Not from God, not from Jesus Christ, not from the Holy Spirit. So in 3.17 it says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, that word saved, in your mind, what does that mean? Most likely you're thinking, I'm not going to hell. That's part of what it means, <laughs> okay? Uh, it means to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger and destruction. So it's not just saved from hell, it's to keep you. You understand? In other words, you can't lose it. There's, you know, it's your... Eternal life is eternal. It's everlasting. And the definition of those words is without intermission. In other words, there's no break. There's no intermission. See, I'm old enough to think of when I think of intermission, that's when you were sitting out in a car with a speaker in your window, and then um, when the movie stopped, intermission, big old pictures of popcorn and Coke and stuff like that in a drive-in theater. Yeah. Right, Denny? <laughs> Oh, boy. So it, it, he says, number one, God sent his son not for the purpose of condemnation. Now, 
we had this movement, this new movement. I don't know how new it is, but it's recent movement. The, the NIFBs, the New Independent Fundamental Baptists. And man, one of their major things is just line up all the LGBTQ plus alphabet soup. Line them up and shoot them in the head. Does that sound like something God wanted to do? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world? Do, do LGBTQ pluses have a chance to be saved? Absolutely. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, or 2 for 6, I think it is. says, and such were some of you. So in other words, there were some then, and they got saved. So is that the right attitude to have? No, it's condemnation, and that condemnation is from some independent fundamental Baptists. Totally wrong. They want to. I, I come from that background, okay? So I'm, I'm really, I'm really against that that kind of preaching. You know, uh, some of it, you know, you, they just carry things too far. They they should be preached to. They should be. Uh, it's just like someone uh, that was a Jehovah Witness or, or a, uh, a Mormon. Are you to hate them? No. Jesus Christ died for them too. We're not to condemn them. We are to try to convert them. Okay, so in, let's go to, let's go to this is going to be really interesting. Let's go to Revelation 12. Verse 10 <clears throat> says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Day and night. Now that word accuser, it's a, the Greek is kategoros, but what it means is it's like a a uh, prosecutor that's just coming at you with everything. He walked his dog without a leash. He did, you know, I mean, just every little thing. Like Connor, when he pulls somebody over, he's going to pull out every little thing he can. He's a categoros, categorically, going to go down the line, and he's going to, not to pick on you, brother, but, you know, it's something you do, man, you know what I'm saying? But, that's what, that's what the devil does. He goes before God and says, man, would you look at him? He just yelled at his wife. You, would you look at him? He just, I mean, it's, he just picks every little thing. That's, that's one type of accuser. Okay? And the reason that I, I even give you the word kategoros is, is just so you'll know it's different than another word I'm fixing to show you. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. So go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 3. It says, well, let's just, just start at verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, 
truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Does that sound like the last days to you? You see that word accusers? That word is, now that's talking about men accusing other men, right? That word is diabolos. Ooh, that means devil. Isn't that something? When Satan was accusing, it was kategoros. That was more like, more like a prosecuting attorney just trying to find, like they're doing Trump. Let's find anything. He spit on the sidewalk. He, you know, he, he jaywalked. Is that a thing anymore, jaywalking? I got stopped by a cop one time in Dallas who jaywalking. He was a picky dude, like, like Connor, man, you know, just always picking on you, man. Like I'm picking on him right now. But, <laughs> hey, I'm confessing, man. I jaywalked. And that cop, man, blue lights, you know, and I'm coming. Come on, man. Oh, boy. Anyway, we won't go into all that. So we see that when another person, like another Christian even, he's doing the devil's job. When you're accusing someone, you know that usually when you're accusing someone, you're doing one or two things. Either, either you're seeing something that truly is wrong or you're trying to make yourself feel better than another person. Well, if you see something that truly is wrong, well, go to, go to them by yourself and say, hey, I noticed this, that, and the other, you know, and if they receive you, fine. You know what I'm saying? Uh, try to help them out, not accuse them. Don't be on the devil's side. And it, in fact, one of the definitions of that is uh, he's doing the devil's work. That's one of the definitions. He's doing the devil's work, accusing. Let's read, let's read Romans chapter 8, 1, one more time, and then we'll cruise on down. I say cruise. There is therefore, now after we read what was in Romans chapter 7, there is therefore now, right now, I almost feel like Kamala Harris when I'm doing that, uh, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. If you feel condemned, realize that it's either coming from, this, from Satan or from uh, one of Satan's helpers. So what makes us want to, to uh, live after the spirit? What makes... When you become a Christian, what makes you want to live after the Spirit? Well, you can say the Holy Spirit. I understand. But what it is, is it's a, it's a matter of conversion. Conversion is a, uh, a word that it means a change of heart and dispositions. Uh, best way I can explain it is when I got saved, I was in the Marine Corps and just doing what Marines do, which is not good stuff, talking like Marines talk, which is, you think a sailor talks like a sailor is bad, talking like Marines is worse, because we've got to outdo, outdo the Navy, you know what I'm saying. When I got saved one night, the next day I showed up 
I was going to electronic school in Jacksonville, Florida, and I had I lived off base because uh, Carol and I were already married, so I lived off base. Back then, you couldn't just go on and off base. You had a, what's called a liberty card, and you had to you couldn't leave until six in the afternoon. Get your liberty card, and you had to be back on base before six o'clock the next morning, so you could turn your liberty card in. Because if you got caught off base without your liberty card, you were in bad trouble. This is back when you know it was still the real Marine Corps. So I got I got back to uh, the base that morning. You know, I had all my books and all that kind of stuff, and I got two hours to kill. So I just put my books down, everything, and I'm just I'm laying down there on the ground, and I got my head up, and I'm looking at stars, and I said it was it was like man, I'd never seen stars like that before. It was like Man, it's beautiful. I mean, everything. I said, it's just, and I felt different. Didn't know what was different because uh, I didn't get discipled right after, you know, I got saved. Just, I got saved and I went to school and then we moved off to our next base and, you know, just always moving around. But it's like, man, God took away my cussing. It took away my desire to go to the club. You know, you know, you get, you get out of school at 3.30 or 4, what are you going to kill the next two hours with? Well, you go to the club and drink. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what all the other guys did. You're hanging out with all your friends. And uh, so I just, it's not like I just made up my mind, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. God just, I was converted. And all my friends, all my running buddies, they started noticing. I didn't cuss. I didn't listen to the same kind of music. It's just, I was different, well, and I was around a lot of them because I was what's called the, uh, uh, I was, you know, up ahead of the class and stuff, so you got a kind of a leadership position. And uh, they just noticed, as man, you know, you don't like this music anymore, you don't like going to the bar anymore, you don't like this, and it just started falling off, falling away. Well, we had a, you know, a couple of friends, I guess, at, at a church, and we, We'd see them every once in a while. They'd come over to the house and stuff like that. But the conversion, the change of heart, the change of dispositions, when your heart no longer longs for sin but God, and it results in a reformation of life. If you've never had that, then you're not saved. Okay? If, you, if you've never had that, you're not saved. That's for the camera over there. <clears throat> Brother Brooks does it, so I guess I can too. Okay, thank you. Just, just learning from him, you know. So the conversion, it's a, it's, it's a moral revolution. Everybody likes that word, revolution. Uh, in, go to Acts chapter 15. Verse 3, it says... And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. We ought to be joyful when someone gets converted, when someone gets saved. But what do we like to do? Well, I wonder if they really did. Don't tell me you've never thought that before. No, you trust the Lord and you trust that you're saying... 
it's, it's like what I, I uh, when my sons and I are working on a car wash or whatever, I said, and somebody says, okay, we'll get that part sent to you the next morning, and, you know, because we've we got to have it, you know. They either will or they won't. I just ordered a book for a friend, and it was, it, um, she uh, was brought up with the NIV, trying to show her different, you know, the reasons why we believe the King James Version of the Word of God. I ordered a book. It's a pretty good book. It was, uh, it's, a, it's just a good book. It's called The Book. And uh, so I ordered it. took like oh, two weeks to get it, even though it's from the same place in Dallas. She lives in Dallas. And it should have taken one day. It took like two weeks. And then it's the wrong book. I sent her some kind of a, a murder mystery from over in England or something, you know. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. Anyway, so... I believe that's Satan trying to, you know, just mess things up. But I'm saying, come on. It's not even, not even what I wanted her to get. But it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 6.16, let's go over there. 2 Corinthians 6.16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. God lives in you. You know, we like to call this the house of God. Well, it's, it is a building dedicated to the service of God. This is the house of God right here. You, if you're saved, he's living. He says he, that God does not dwell in temples made with hands. Okay? He dwells in us. We are the temple. It says, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So the, the whole point of all these cross-references is so that you'll realize that if you feel condemned, then figure out or realize that the condemnation is not coming from God. I mean, your condemnation could be coming from you. You could be accusing yourself. But you just back up away from it and say, hey, now look, is God doing this? No, he's not doing this. Well, then where's it coming from? There's only one other place. And that's Satan or Satan's helpers. You know, it's all in there. They're all in that same crowd. Okay? And don't be one of those. In uh, 1 Thessalonians, hope I got this right because my uh, my handwriting slipped there, it looks like. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it. 1 Thessalonians 1 9. Here's the deal conversion. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. This is how you can tell if your influence on someone else has had an effect. And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. True repentance is not just changing your mind. It includes that. True repentance is, cha is changing is from something to something. You turn from sin to God. It's just not, 
Uh, Judas repented himself, remember? But he didn't turn to God. He repented himself. He committed suicide. He went to his own place. So you can repent and not repent properly. You've got you to want to do what God wants you to do. So we've, we've noticed that the, uh, the new Bibles like to omit, but after the Spirit. And then in verse 2 of Romans chapter 8, verse 2, It says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So it's made you free. Now, what's, what does it feel like to be free? Anybody ever spent time in jail? You know what it feels like when you got out, right? Miguel? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he spent time in jail or not, but anyway, I've never spent time in jail. But I did spend four years active in the Marine Corps and I know what it felt like to put that uniform off for the last time. It was like, wow, I'm no longer under 24-hour duty. My next weekend, we had what's called, uh, we had to stand duty every fourth weekend. If you, if you lived off base, you stood duty. You either did uh, guard duty or barracks detail or whatever um, for one weekend a month. Or you just came in and worked. And... That first weekend, after I got out, I woke up, and I looked over at Carol, and I said, uh, do I have duty this weekend? I still felt like I was, it was my time to go in. And I went, ah, I forgot. I'm out. I don't have to worry about duty. I'm free. Okay? I'm free. What else can you be free from? An oppressive job? <clears throat> ever... ever Ever worked a job that just, oh, man, I worked at jobs. The only reason I worked there was so I could feed my family. And I'd do it again, and it felt so good to get maybe a, a different job. I was managing a machine shop. For, I'd been there about five years, and things got really bad when the, when the owner hired his two sons in, and they, uh, they didn't want to do anything. And uh, so I just got fed up with it, went and uh, wound up going to another job, which, uh, and I became a plant manager there. That was free. I could do what I wanted to do. I could say, hey, man, I want to build something. We built something. I had guys under me. I said, we built something. You know, we, we're going to change this over here. We're going to change that whole section. And we changed the whole thing, make things better. And that was, that was freedom. I enjoyed going in in the morning. I'd go in early, stay late, just to make things work. Freedom. We should have that freedom in Christ. You know, you're, you're free from worrying about dying and going to hell. You're free to witness to people. You know, you're free to tell other people about what happened to you. That's the best thing you can do. If you've got time, give your, give your uh, testimony. They can't argue with you about it. They can argue Bible with you. You know, they think they know their Bible, and they go, oh, well, you know this. They can't argue about your testimony. They can't argue about your changed life. My, my friends in the Marines back then, they couldn't argue about my changed life. They just didn't like it, so they left. You see, stop fellowshipping with me. So it's made you free, is it? Now, is it easy? No. 
The children of Israel, <laughs> they were leaving Egypt. It was a good plan until the going got rough. Then what did they start longing for? Oh, the leeks, the garlic, the fish. Let's go to Numbers chapter 11. Let's, let's see if we can relate. Numbers chapter 11, verse 5. <clears throat> we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. Really, honestly, freely. Are you kidding me? How free was it? Well, they were in slavery. Pharaoh took the straw away from them. Still had to make bricks. Had to make bricks all day. Had these cruel trash maskers with whips and everything. Oh, you ate them, you ate them freely? Really? Isn't it, imagine, isn't it something how our brains forget all the bad stuff back there when you were lost? Man, it didn't used to be this bad when I was, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, isn't it wonderful how our brains work? Freely? Let's go to Exodus chapter 6 and see how Let's see how this turns out here. Verse 9. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. But they, oh man, they got to eat those leeks and garlic and fish and stuff freely. Isn't it something how, we, how, our, how our brains work? Really? No. What's true freedom? Freedom from sin. Freedom, freedom from condemnation. It's when you start, when, when Satan has you start looking for uh, problems in your life and, and trying to capitalize on those, and you need, to, you need to realize where God brought you from. Now, uh, Satan, Satan's battleground is right here. He knows every rock, crevice, and everything else because he lived there for how many years? You know, I used to, Connor, close your ears. I used to, when I lived in uh, Dallas, I was... I was on my own at age 16. I had no relatives around, no, no adult guidance or anything else around. And at 16 years old, I was working, at, I was working and putting myself through high school. And uh, on my time off, I was a vandal, a thug, a punk, a, a no good. Okay, just, just not a... I was an evil person, and I would just do stuff to just a, you know, thrill-seeking stuff, you know, just, just stupid stuff. And that, that was not freedom. I mean, I thought it was freedom. I'd go do what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it and tear stuff up and all that kind of stuff, but... Uh, in verse 2 again in chapter 8, it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that made me free from the law of sin 
and death. When I got saved, when, when, God, when I got converted, when I repented of my sins, I became a totally different person. I don't feel condemned about those things that I did back then because God covered that. Do I think they weren't right? And I used those experiences to try to teach my, my children how to do right. In uh, verse 3, it says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. God sent his Son for that right there to die for our sins. That the righteousness, in verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's, there's a ton of more verses that we could go to about uh, the works of the flesh. You know what the works of the flesh are. Um, I'll tell you what, let's just go to two more, two more references for today. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, everybody knows it. It's, it's listed out here. A manifest is a sheet of paper delineating everything that uh, Connor found in the car last night. And cars, he, he makes a manifest. He may not call it that, but that's what he does. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that, most of that list up there was a lot of that. Uh, I had partaken in the witchcraft, the, just a lot of it. I delved into self-hypnosis and metaphysics and, all, you know, just all that junk that you, as a teenager, you know, you're just, you're so prone to do. It says in uh, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, it, it, there is no law. You see the difference? You, do you see how it even sounds more pleasant when you read those verses? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, we are to provoke one another to good works. It's kind of what I'm trying to do this morning in this study is to provoke Christians to good works, realizing that, you know, the time is short. Um, you know, we can talk about the wars, rumors of wars, you know, earthquakes and all that kind of stuff. The Lord said that you're going to see those things, but the time is not yet. It's going to get bad. It's going to get real bad. And so we as Christians need to make sure, just like Brother Connor there, man, I, I so appreciate 
his willingness to humble himself before those people and talk to them about Christ. It, that takes, it takes nerve to do that. We all, we all ought to have that characteristic. We all ought to take the chance that God gives us to witness to people. Now, that would be kind of tough to do. You just arrested this person, handcuffed them, putting them in jail, and now you're going to talk to them. Plus, a jailer gets to hear it. That's, that encourages me. I like it when you say it, when you talk about those things. It, uh, you know, if that little pipsqueak Connor can do it, so can I. <laughs> I mean by that, I mean by, what? you're not even 25 years old, are you? Almost 27. Okay, well, then you're an old guy. But, you know, you take a young man like that, 27, and you don't see many like that. And I'm not trying to puff him up. I'm just, you know, he's a good example. We, ought to, we need to be a good example ourselves where we work, where we're at. And if, if you have some sort of public ministry or some sort of ability to, to talk to a, a group of people, your primary focus should be on giving the gospel out, no matter what else you do. You preach or teach, you got to give the gospel out. That's the primary thing. Not the, Whatever else you do is secondary, primary. Most people may not ever hear the gospel again. You get a chance. That's one, one reason why uh, when I was a plant manager, uh, we would have safety meetings. Well, safety meetings would kind of turn out to be some sort of kind of a gospel session, but I got to do it one-on-one on two. And who's going who's gonna to turn around and leave you when you're the big cheese, you know? You're the big cheese. They're going to stand there and may not like it, but you take advantage of whatever positions God, God has given you and use it for his honor and his glory. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for Romans chapter 8. Ask, Lord, that you would just take this uh, feeble presentation, Lord, and help us to take it to heart and to help our lives count for you and give us strength and uh, honor and and, uh, ability to do these things. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.